Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents and welcome to the 2021 Summer Vacation Series. We're getting to know comics from around the world who performed on our Isolation Comedy online show in 2020. I'm your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Ms. Purrington, will join us if she damn well pleases. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy and beyond. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page or YouTube channel. In addition to podcasts, ComedyWham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page, click submit a show to complete the short survey. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin, check that, global comedy scene absolutely amazing. If you like this podcast and you're listening right this moment, pause and go rate and review us. Now, let's get into it. Today, from Los Angeles, California, uh, our guest has been doing stand-up most of his very prolific life. He is a regular at the Comedy Store, Laugh Factory, and the Improv in L.A. And while he is an amazing comic, he's a prolific writer, producer, and I actually remember him and know him from his days working on Fashion Police with comedy icon Joan Rivers. And even in the face of COVID, he kept super, super busy with live Instagrams, videos, and to our very great fortune, doing Zoom shows. Uh, I honestly don't think I've ever laughed so uproariously as when our guest read his mom's catalog as part of his his set during our show. It was one of the best moments of comedy. (laughs) He is one of our favorite comics on the 2020 Isolation Comedy Show. Please welcome our Honored, honored guest, Teddy Margus. Yay! Yay, Yay, so exciting to be here. Fun, fun, fun. Yes, Mother's Catalog got me through the pandemic. (laughs) I assume since it was so successful with, with our show, it made me laugh so much that that was kind of a regular thing that you had gotten into the habit of doing. I mean, yeah. You know, during during the pandemic, when you know a, a lot of comics struggled with, should I do a Zoom show? Mm-hmm. It's kind of awkward. A lot of comics, I mean, all of us really thrive off that energy from the crowd, from the audience. And so I thought, well, we've got to think of something because we're stuck. Mm-hmm. So let's, how creative can you get? Yeah. And so something like literally going through a catalog that I found on my mother's kitchen table, I couldn't do that live because the audience can't see it. So I thought, wow, like this is something that I wouldn't be able to do live. So I did it and the the, the, the response was amazing that I'm now I'm thinking, how can I do that do it live? live? <laughs> you know, what is it? Is it? And coming up next is a comic who has a slide presentation. Like. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that it just, you know, uh, tra- tragedy or whatever adversity uh, just sparked creativity. And yeah. so I, yeah, I, I did it at a lot of shows. And then it got me to thinking of things that I wouldn't do or couldn't do live. And so I, I just, I rocked this, this yeah. quarantine period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, I I want to get launched into our conversation, but I will say I do have an official icebreaker question. Are you ready for yours? I'm ready. <laughs> One word to describe your past. That's a really good question. One word to describe. Okay, I have it. Eclectic. Nice. You know, I I am actually filled with regret at my introduction of you because I realize uh, that I really should have put in a a pointer in here for your trademark glasses because (laughs) I I was actually struck by this. I was looking at your website and doing some some prep and I noticed your, your picture on your homepage 
doesn't have you with glasses, but that's all I've ever known you. Um, the, <laughs> the glasses came about in several ways. I knew I was going to need glasses before I needed them. Uh -huh. Okay, and so now when I took headshots, I, I was I didn't I mean I'm sure I needed them, mm -hmm. but uh, I took some with glasses, and they were fake glasses. I also appear on a web series, and I did fake glasses because I knew eventually what I would want. Yeah. And w when I uh, did need glasses. It took me about, this is honestly the truth, two years to get the frames that I was happy with. Oh my God. I mean, I, you go into the lens crafters, you go into any one of those eye places. To me, to me, it was hundreds of the same frame. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, this, these are round, these are oval. And I had to like literally go, uh, okay, do I need glasses to see the difference of is it round or oval? You know, these are square, these are rectangle. These are tortoise, these are dark tortoise, these are light tortoise, these are medium tortoises. I was like, okay, hello. They all look alike. I have always loved uh, Swifty Lazar, the 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 Holly, the power agent in the 40s. He had ginormous mm. black glasses. Um, Elliot Gould in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. I mean, where do you find these glasses? Even Seinfeld's dad was like, and I was like, so I kept doing research and I finally found the name of them and where they are and they were vintage. And I said, I want them and I got them. Uh, cut to no optometrist could fill them because they are oversized and they couldn't get the glasses or the glass yes. or the lenses into whatever machine. It was a nightmare. Oh my gosh. I but I was stuck. I persisted. I found some old, old, old optometrist who was just about ready to retire, who still did glasses the old fashioned way. I came in and he happened to have done them in the past, had the lenses. So I was like, oh, thank you. And so I, that's when I, I wear them because I need to wear them. Uh -huh. And now when I get a new round of headshots, I will get some with these particular lenses. But lots of times the lenses, the glasses kind of, uh, it's case in point, what I'm trying to say is, I went, when I had gotten the role on AJ and the Queen, which is a Netflix series starring RuPaul, mm -hmm. I showed up to the set the day of filming, not wearing them. And three or four people panicked and they were like, did you bring the glasses? And I was like, oh God, did the glasses get the role or did I get the role? You know, I've gone, I've done auditions where I've gotten notes from, you know, my agent saying, can you do it again? But this time don't wear the glasses because the glasses say this, this, and this. And I thought, these glasses, if these glasses could chalk, um, they, these glasses, so now I know that they're the right choice. Uh -huh. And I just had to find the balance. I do need a couple pictures where I'm wearing them. And now when I do an audition, if I feel the character warrants the glasses, I wear them for the audition and I take them off for the slate where you say, hi, my name's Teddy Marcus and blah, 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 or okay. vice versa. If I don't have them in the character, I do wear them in the slate. So it's, they've, they've, they've caused a lot in this They have a, a life of their own, my goodness. <laughs> and you know what I love, Teddy, what I absolutely love is that Nobody else could carry and pull off a conversation in a podcast about glasses better than you. So <laughs> it's just glasses. <laughs> you okay? So eclectic. I believe that you do not have to convince me of that as as your word of of your past. Uh, did you grow up with comedy as a, a big part of your life? I did. Um, my, I think my family is like super, super funny. Um, my dad was always the, the guy at the holiday parties who they couldn't wait for him to come because he Aww. always came with a joke or two. Uh, granted, they were corny or inappropriate or dirty, but he was known for that. Um, that and my father's side of the family, my mother's side of the family, 
it was just constant, constant humor. And it's kind of where I learned and honed my, my comedy. I, my, I, my mother, sister, my Aunt Estelle, I, I will never forget this time. And I was, I was a kid, like little kid. Um, we spent our summers in Florida where my grandparents retired. And there was like this like nickel movie theater. I mean, it wasn't because it was depression era, it because it was a rundown, they played <laughs> old movies. It was like, how is this happening? But it was something like that, a quarter for the movies. And so uh, my grandmother like loved it because she gave us all a quarter to go to the movies. And my aunt went, she drove us and she bought the tickets for us. And they were, they had two screens. And on one screen, they were playing Mask, the movie with Cher. Uh -huh. And on the other screen, they were playing Mask as well. Now the marquee, one side said Mask and the other side said Mask with Cher. <laughs> and I looked at it and I didn't even think that you could do anything with that. But my aunt goes up to the, to get the tickets and she's like, can I get one adult? And you know, she counts all the kids she brought. It was me, my cousins, five or six of us. And she was gonna get one adult and like six, you know, kid tickets for mask. And the ticket taker said, oh, which one? Like, I guess he was saying, did you want screen one or screen two? Maybe one played at nine and the other one played mm -hmm. at 9.15, whatever. My aunt goes, which one? And he like pointed up and I'm witnessing this as a kid. Uh -huh. My aunt does this. She takes a step back. She looks up and she goes, oh, mask, mask with share. Hold on. She turns around and to the group of kids says, how many want mask and how many want mask with share? Well, it hit me like, oh my God, that's so funny. It's like her restaurant order. Then she turned back to him and she goes, uh, let me get all the kids want it with share. Can I get share on the side? Done. I lost it. I just thought that was, that's to me still funny because it's when it hit me. <sighs> Look what you can do with just something so nothing. Uh -huh. And I just laughed. And that's, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with that type of humor uh -huh. through my, my, my family. And so I always was trying, but my brain started going then in school, class clown, you know, making everybody laugh in the lunch area. Then they would always get, they would want me for the school plays because they were like, we need a comedy element. We need somebody to come in and like, you know, really kill this scene because it's boring, but you could bring in, it just was always, it just happened. It just was natural. It's probably a lot of it was, uh, you know, I was born with it and then I started to go to school for it and then I started to hone it. And then I just, just boom, 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 boom. And before you know it, it was like, my family still, it doesn't matter what I tell them that I'm doing. They are never like, yay. They're always yeah. like, well, like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we knew. And I was like, okay, well, okay, yay. So yeah, always, 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 always funny. Always, yeah. and always trying to find the humor in it. Um, always. Yeah. So you were raised in LA, born and raised? No, I was born oh. and raised on the East Coast in Philadelphia, oh. Pennsylvania. Ah, okay. So uh, when I was old enough, would just, you know, hightail it to New York to do, you know, whatever auditions or try to, try. I originally wanted to get on Broadway and, and not a singer, trust me, but <laughs> I think I had more moxie than anybody I know. Yeah. So you knew, so were you, you performed in high school? Yeah. Okay. I was an actor from birth, literally. Ah. Okay. My mother, my mother tells a funny story and she always says, if I ever get on a talk show or if they ed interview me, this is what I'm going to say. I was like, okay, mom, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> she would, she told me that my due date, I, I, I was born on my due date, but I was born at 11.31 PM. So all day, my mother was in labor on that oh. day. And she was in the labor and delivery room and they had a TV. And she said, when they turned on Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show, and she heard, I came out. <laughs> okay. So she swears that I was in there, like that was backstage and I was just waiting uh -huh. for the cue. Yeah. Cute story, but kind of, but it was true. Yeah. <laughs> 
So how much time did you spend in New York? And you, so you said you were an actor from, from birth. Did, were you pursuing acting first or comedy first? I think everything? I still, I'm, I, comedy came because acting was not, um, I wasn't getting creatively challenged enough. Acting, once you've gone through the school and you've taken the classes, um, you take them afterwards to just keep that muscle going. But it wasn't creatively challenging enough for me because I wasn't auditioning enough. Mm. And, you know, you, there's only so much, you try for a million things. If you get the play, yay, then you're being creatively challenged. So I just thought to myself, what could I do on a weekly basis where I'm constantly creatively challenging myself? And so many people told me stand up and I was like, oh, there's no way. There's no way I could get up there. I, I need a script. I need to analyze it. I need to take it apart. I need to find the character. And a uh, writer friend of our family said to me, you can do all that in stand up. Do the writing, mm -hmm. you write it, you find the character, you do this and see what happens. And after like, a, I, I moved out here like in the early nineties and just was like, oh, maybe it's not for me. And I had moved back mm -hmm. and became a travel agent. Don't ask me how, it just was <laughs> Like I fell into it, like a friend of mine had an agency and he needed somebody to organize the pamphlets. And I thought, wow, this is what my life's become. I'm organizing pamphlets in a travel agency. Cut to like three months later, I'm answering phones. They send me to school. I get my traveler's license and I was travel agency license. And then one day somebody called up and, and I answered and they said, uh, hey, I need to speak to a travel agent. And I said, oh, I'm a travel agent. And when I heard it, I thought, how the heck am I a travel agent? Like, what, how did this happen? And then I thought, you know what? I, I gave my two weeks notice that day. I wow. said, it can't, I don't want this. This is like, I don't know how this happened. Doing stand up cannot possibly be as heart wrenching as me picking up a phone saying, I am a travel agent. Nothing against travel agents. It's just yeah. not what I wanted to be. And it was something that I just, it just happened like out of nowhere. So I, I gave two weeks notice. I moved back to LA, put together a little stand-up act. And the first time I got on the stand-up stage, I thought, oh, I can't believe I waited this long to do this. Oh. This is, this is, this is really, wow. I can control the whole thing. Like right. I don't have like a director telling me this or, and it just, well, it just was, it was, wonderful from the beginning. Like I know a lot of people have had struggles with starting off. I started off great and then it took forever to get great again, because you know, but it just was just perfect. And so then it was like, I'm not acting anymore. That is it, I'm only doing comedy. And then comedy got me back into acting again because the director saw me at the improv and they were like, can you audition for this, you know, play that we're doing. And I thought, oh God, I'm not an actor, I'm a comic. And then my mm -hmm. friends were like, what are you talking about? That's what you went to school for. That is what you studied, it's what you are. And exactly. I thought, oh my God, you're so right. So <laughs> I did it. And, and I say this now all the time, every single actor should do stand up because you learn so much about yourself and audience and just live performing on the spot that when you bring that into live theater, it's perfection. Yeah. So I mean, everything bring, I believe everything one does brings them to the point where they're supposed to be. If you're aware and, you know, looking about out for what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, that's how, that's how it happened. It was acting, stand up, and now it's everything. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you really are kind of a, a jack of all trades of, yeah, of just, different things. Just, it's just because it, it really embodies, you know, stand up embodies everything. Stand up embodies being a writer, mm -hmm. it embodies acting, it embodies producing, promoting, because you have to do all those things for stand up comedy, especially, especially when you're starting out. Because no one's no one's gonna write you stuff. I mean, they don't know who you are. No one's gonna come to your show. You, they don't know who you are. You know. And then, especially, I I'm a storyteller, and then I act out each of the different characters and parts. So it's just, it was just, it was. I'm. I say I wish I did it earlier, but you know, who's to say that it wouldn't have all come together so perfectly had I done it earlier? Yeah. So, it, it, it I guess it followed the timeline it was supposed to. Yeah.
you know. What what type of stand up were you doing when you first started out? You mentioned the characters, and I know characters is a lot of what you do now on some of your live Instagrams or whatever. Um, what kind of stand up? <laughs> the first uh, stand up uh, I performed that I wrote was a um, piece about TV because I was like, because I was so, nothing was happening. I was literally watching a lot of TV. So I brought up, I brought up Sopranos or whatever was hot at the time. And then was able to say, God, if I could get on the Sopranos and then I would do a Soprano character, but make it funny. Or if I got on this talk show, if I Sally Jessica Murphy, whatever it was, I did that. Uh -huh. Then as I started to watch myself do those things and I noticed when I was more myself on stage, telling a story to get to the bit, that part was really magical to watch when you looked at it back, but I also noticed the audience resonated with it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, cut the bits out and really concentrate on the story. So tell the story. And the story now, it's usually usually my family, because everybody relates to that. You know, I, I do stories about my mother, which are just insane, which is why we bring up Mother Catalog. Um, you know, I have, uh, you know, my grandmother, my aunt, I mean, they're all funny. And if I bring them into the story, I will like try to do the voice. Right now on my Instagram live, I kind of feel like I've created like a Tales from the City, Armistead Maupin, uh -huh. because I live in West Hollywood and I live in a courtyard where everybody kind of knows everybody else. And they're all such an eclectic individual that on my live, when I started to talk to uh, about them, like say one of the neighbors came over or then another, I became that neighbor. Yeah. And then the audience started to ask when I was talking about something else, how's Ed? Oh, uh -huh. then I would break into an Ed story. So then it just, it just boom. And my groundlings training because I, I, I trained at the Groundlings. Ah. They are very character driven. They're very actor character driven and they, they teach you how to take a minute detail and make that the character. It could be the thing, maybe it's your posture. Maybe it's the way you hold your shoulders or your neck, or maybe it's the voice or it's just a tiny thing we look at I used to look at characters and think they had to be like completely well-rounded and well thought out like an actor mm -hmm. would do. But when you do it on the stage for comedy, Groundlings taught you how to really hone in on one particular characteristic and then boom, that's your character. Yeah. And that, that just that took me over the edge as far as learning wise was concerned. Yeah. When did you start feeling really excited about where your path was was going my um i my favorite part of doing comedy was when it was over oh. <laughs> you know it was just so terrifying to me that oh all i have to do is go up there it's only for three minutes it's only for five minutes it's only for seven minutes just get through it and so i would get up there wanting for it to be over because i loved when it was over because i would know right away you did well you didn't do well whatever and then you know the it's like a receiving line in a wedding i always say that they all you're you're hanging out a little bit and people coming up oh i love when you said this and, and so you got to gauge you know what people resonated and what they liked that was about that lasted for about like five years. And I would say maybe maybe five or six years ago, I didn't want to get off the stage. Mm. Like I couldn't wait to hit the stage. And when my time was up, I was like, oh no. Like <laughs> that's when I knew, oh, okay. You, you, you've, you've, you've hit your stride. You love what you're doing. You're doing it well. Look at that. Like that took, that took a while to get there though. Yeah. I mean, for anybody listening who's doing the math, if you started in, in the early nineties and it's only five or six years ago that you felt that, I mean, that's a, a comedy yeah. career of 20, that's yeah. 20 well, years. I took, there was a little hiatus in between. There. Yeah. I took a little hiatus, but yes, that's, that's true. It takes, you know, they say it takes 10 years to be an overnight sensation. <laughs> And so it, it must take 20 years to just be a sensation. Yeah. You know? Because it takes 
a long time to find your stage legs, your voice. Like the, 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 when they talk about the voice in comedy, mm -hmm. that is when you walk up there, they know who you are immediately, either yeah. by how you took the mic or what the first thing that you said, because you have to get that audience's attention within the first 30 seconds. They have to know who you are within the first 30 seconds so that your comedy works. And that yeah. takes a long time for you to, you don't even, we don't, you don't even know who you are, let alone you're trying to tell the audience who you are. It takes a long time to just get to that, to that point. Yeah. But when I say it's just, it's absolutely, it's just worth it, 100% worth it because you become like fine-tuned, well-oiled machine. And when you know who you are, it's just smooth sailing. Yeah. I love it. Love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have, have done a, a fair share of movies as well. Oh. And I'm going to go backwards because uh, I would be remiss. And I, I put it in the bullets that you were a part of Fashion Police, which is how I first uh, came to know you. And my son, uh, I, I, won't, I, I won't try to, to suck up too much time about this. My son's favorite movie is Spaceballs. Uh, so that Matrix. I, <laughs> yes. So when I told him that I was going to be talking with you and uh, that you know you worked with, with Joan Rivers, he's like, the woman from Spaceballs? I'm like, yes. The woman from Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> How was the process of, of being involved in Fashion Police? I loved that show so much. I did it too. was so, so, so great. I can still say to this day, and it's been, I don't know how many years now, it was my favorite job I've ever had. Wow. And I mean, it was my favorite. The hour, I didn't even care. We had to be, I had to be up at 4.30 a.m. to get to the studio by 5.30 because the audience started coming in at 5.30. I had to be funny and get them up and out of their morning yeah. you know, within 15 to 20 minutes. But who's to complain when Miss Joan Rivers was there at 2.30? <gasps> Joan was there at 2.30 doing all the voiceovers, doing hair and makeup, getting ready. Like to watch her work, I learned so much from her. Yeah. And she was such a willing teacher and loved comedy and loved comics. It didn't matter who the star was on the show. It didn't matter. Everybody was like, you know, kikiing and doing their own little thing. And she uh -huh. would walk on over to me and go, so where'd you go? Where'd you go on last night? Where? Mm -hmm. Was it good? Was it a good crowd? Tell me, well, tell me your funny, well, tell me the funniest joke. Did it bomb? Tell me the bomb. Like she was, and she was truly interested. And yeah. to me, that was just, oh, wow. And she also taught me, she taught me how to be uh, on TV. She taught me how to be the, the star. Wait, she, you, you have was, a star quality. <laughs> thank you, Joan. <laughs> she always said you have to be, if you're going to, if you, who you are and who you are, who they think you are, you have to know who they see you as. Okay. Okay. And then be that person for them. Hmm. And that's how she was. She, she had her hair and makeup done every single time she left the house. And, you know, when, when we would have our like heart to heart, conversations and I was like oh god we're just going to Whole Foods <laughs> and she said I don't want the one person who happens to run into me at Whole Foods not run into and get a picture with Joan Rivers wow that to me was like you are that's why you're so successful yeah. you're, you're that's why you are a star yeah really I heard yeah, I heard she had an incredible work ethic and it's it's nice to know that you know she took the time to be a mentor and she was fantastic. You know, my job was to get the crowd up and her hearing wasn't so great. And her the set was always set back a little bit. So she could hear the laughter, but she couldn't hear what I was saying. Uh, and she would all if she heard like a big laugh, you could you could see, you'd hear Teddy. <laughs> What did you just say? Like she wanted to know. Uh -huh. um, or lots of times if I would, you know, she would say, this joke isn't landing for me. What do you think? 
And then I would say something and, and then she would go, oh, that's funny. Mm. But then when I heard her deliver it, it was even funnier than what I had recommended. And I thought, wow, like she was just in tune to it all around her. It was like electricity coming off of her body when comedy was involved. And that is, uh, that is just, that is absolutely dedication. That just to me was, you know, yeah. and she said, was such a good person too. I brought my family once to um, a taping and um, I didn't, I went through the quote unquote normal route of doing it. Cause I didn't want to be like, Joan, I'm bringing my family. Uh -huh. um, I went through the, you know, the town, the audience coordinator. I said, look, they're like, oh, bring them, bring them here and they'll be in here and they'll, we'll take their phones. And so getting off the elevator, I got off the elevator with my family and she was walking by and she looked over and she just was like, Teddy, oh my God, this has to be your family. You all look alike. And she was like, she completely was like, wait, where are they going? I said, well, they're going to, oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. You bring them in right now. She had them come into the studio. And then she went, she had a, her security guard and she goes, give me my wallet. Give me my wallet. She went into her wallet. She went into her Chanel wallet. Thank you. And she pulled out like 40 bucks and she goes here, buy them breakfast. I was like, oh my God, no, we don't. She's like, I said, buy them breakfast. Cause there was a little cafe in the studio and she was like, and then as soon as they eat, you bring them in. Like to me, even to this day, my, my niece who was little at the time, never forgot that. Oh. Like she was like, Joan Rivers bought me breakfast. Oh. <laughs> like that's, you don't, you're, you don't put that on. You either are that way or you're not. Yeah. And that to me was just, just brilliant. Yeah. I loved her. Yeah. I loved her. Yeah. Can you tell I loved her? Uh, I could tell. I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> but in in full full transparency, this is an interview with Teddy Margus, so we'll get back on track. I just had to, you know, I loved Joan too, so I just wanted to get a story about about her. Yeah, she's great. From your perspective. Uh, so when when Fashion Police uh, ended. Did you feel like that opened doors for you or did you um, feel like you wanted to try something different or? The, the funny thing about well, at the time that I was doing Fashion Police, it was something that I didn't, I, I kind of in the back of my head wanted to do because I wanted to meet and learn from Joan Rivers. But I, I didn't want, that wasn't the path I wanted to take. I didn't want to be like the audience warm-up comic. Mm -hmm. In comedy, I hate to say this because it, there's, there's like 50 people that say this, 50% of the people say this and 50% of the people say that. Lots of times the audience warm-up comic is the, the comic who didn't make it or the comic who, you know, oh, well, he couldn't get that job, so he got this job, which I... I, I, I loathed when people said that because yeah. it's like you don't know me you don't know my situation you don't know why i'm here um i never looked at it that way but it just it's amongst comics those kind of whispers happen so i didn't want to take it at first and then i thought I, i'd be crazy not to take it because i get to work with somebody who i admire a legend i could learn from and let me tell you something i thought it would look great on a resume right yeah. so Cut to where it really worked. It, it works great when they intro you, you know, you know, open for Joan Rivers or whatever. Yeah. Um, in the casting offices for um, TV and film, I have had numerous major casting directors say, you know, that's a great job, good job. Um, I'm gonna go off book here. What was Joan Rivers like? <laughs> You mean I'm not the first person to have asked you this? I'm shocked. You're, you're the first on a podcast, <laughs> I think. Um, but that blew my mind. What? What? How that? How I look at it as this is how the door opened. Uh -huh. When you go into a casting director, you read and you leave. You read, you leave, you try to get whatever personality you can in there so that they could see. But basically, it's next, 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 next. For them to just want to hear, even if it was for like a minute or three minutes, you got to spend that much more time with a casting director who could possibly be like, you know what, you'd be perfect for this. Yeah. So those are the kinds of doors it opened for me. Mm -hmm. um, 
it also her head writer Tony Tripoli. Mm-hmm. He tours. He's constantly, hey, this is happening. Do you want to do it? Um, I met some great people that I, I still talk to. They were guests, like you know, Nene Leaks. Everyone's like, Nene Leaks <laughs> from The Real Housewives. She, she's your friend. I'm like, well, I mean, she's not my friend, but if I see her out, we say hi, and it's really kind of like, and they're like, I can't believe it. She's such a this, but she's not that way. Lisa Rinna, same thing. So it opened a lot of doors in that that respect. Uh, yeah. As far as, you know, he's a comedy legend, let him in because he's open for Joan. It didn't, it didn't do that. Because like I said, of that, there was that little stigma that I wish would go away, but mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah, that's, uh, so I'm on the side of what the, the, the warm-up comics that I've heard of was Stephen Brody Stevens being one of the, the right, right. big ones. It's like, that's, it's, you're kidding me? He's, he was big, yeah. he was big. And, and now even the, the, the new ones coming up now, um, Percy Rastamji, I don't know if you know who that is. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's, a, he's insane and just a ball of energy and hysterical. And he opens for all the like Disney and Nickelodeon shows and there's hundreds of them. So he's constantly working. Through that, he got a, uh, uh, to tour with Paula Abdul because Paula Abdul wanted an audience warm-up. Paula Abdul hires him to do audience warm-up and then it turns into, there was little a little skit in her tour or, yeah, it was her tour or her Vegas residency, I think. It was her Vegas residency. Where, you remember MC Scat Cat, the little cartoon mm-hmm. cat that was in I her did. video? She had an MC Scat Cat costume that would come out and they would do a little sketch together. Uh-huh. Who do you think she hired to do that? Percy. <laughs> wow. So, once again, you know, the stigma is going away. And those like Brody, who I bow down to, um, they had to deal with that and push through that yeah. stigma. But yeah, I mean, e- even even here in Austin, which is nowhere near the size of a, an LA or New York comedy scene, you know, it, there's there's always one person or another that's saying, "Oh, you've sold out. You've sold out because you did this. You've sold out because you did college gigs, or you've sold out because you were doing this." I think gig. that's always going to happen. So yeah, true. yeah. So you just so true. Like, Everyone's got an opinion about something. Yeah. I've heard it from college tours too. I've heard it from this or that. You know what? We're out here. We're trying to make a living. And I always say this. This is always, I always have to remember it too because I forget it sometimes. And I always said I was going to needlepoint it on a sampler. But <laughs> um, my goal is to make people laugh. That's it. Yeah. If I'm making you laugh, I've achieved my goal. If that happens to be in a college, if that happens to be in an audience for another comic, if that happens to be the opener for, I don't care. Like I'll, I'll open for a comic. I don't even have a problem with that at all. I would love yeah. to, yes. I get, I've been asked several times by comics like, hey, they'll be like, oh, I hate to ask this, but would you open? Hell yes. <laughs> I know they're not there for you. And I think an opener's got an easier job than the headliner. I've literally got to bring them to here. You're the one that's got to bring them to here, you yeah. know, like, bring them high. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, everybody talks, everybody says something. I'm the type of person who's like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, your your personality and presence is so big. I when I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about like the the dynamics of the the host, the opener, and or the feature, and then you know the headliner, and how you know it's a careful dance of you don't want to be better, you don't want to do crowd work if you know the headliner does crowd work, and you know you don't want to be better than the headliner with your your presence and your just your your big persona do you i know we just got through saying and you just got through saying i just do what i'm you know what i i'm gonna do yeah do you ever have to fight that battle of your i don't i i i always know the job that i'm supposed to do going into it and there are there are many teddies in this head (laughs) a lot of them you can't hear them, but three are talking to me right now. Um, when I when I do the opening, it's always pulled it's pulled back. Uh-huh. But the thing is, I feed off the energy of what I can feel from the room. Okay. I mean, I think I also have a gift for that because I was able to feed off 
comments in, in virtual rooms that I was doing. Yeah. But um, I don't, if you want to say feed off the energy, I don't eat it all uh-huh. when it's, I'm not the headliner. When yeah. I'm the headliner and I eat it all, that's when it just goes, 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 goes. Like that's when the personality is like, whoa. But when I'm the opener, you get the personality. You just don't get, you don't get it at like here. Yeah. You'll get it middle. Yeah. So, and that was another thing that took a while to figure out that balance too, because I, I look, they asked you to open for them. Your, your job literally is to like warm them up. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I learned that once again from opening profession police too, because that was, you know, getting the crowd up and happy and jumping and just getting them ready for the comedy that's about to happen. So I treat it the same way. And um, you have jokes that you know kill that are amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do those jokes as as, a, as the opener. Maybe I'll do them as the middle or the feature. Yeah. Um, but and but the big whammies you save for your headliner. So I think a comic, a good comic, has all those comic personalities in their bag, and that you can't like sit down and calculate that and write that. What you have to do is live it, mm-hmm. and like. No, after you've done it, like, hey, that might have been a little too much for an opener. I will put that now in this bag and just know what to do where. I know who the comic is, too. Like you said, like, if the comic does a lot of crowd work, you know, don't do it. Or or kind of, like, ease into crowd work in the end as you're about to, you know, introduce them. I like a lot of the times when you open for the comic and there is no middle or feature um when you open you sometimes you introduce them mm-hmm. and that's always I love doing that <laughs> I love doing that because then you're really then the personality can come out because you're like start to tease them are you yeah. ready guess who's coming who who are you here for like that kind of <laughs> stuff and then you could literally feel the energy lifting lifting they're so excited and then you introduce them and you feel that <laughs> and then you go, thank you, and you leave, and you think, that was for me. <laughs> that applause was for me, darling. I got them there. Uh, we were having a, a heck of a time uh, getting this uh, chat scheduled, and this weekend you were in Palm Springs. Yes. Uh, performing stand-up? Yes. Do I was performing do- stand-up. I had, I had three duties in Palm Springs this weekend, and lately anymore. I love the fact that this could even happen. A friend of mine, it was it was his birthday and he it was a big milestone birthday. Uh-huh. And he was like, I want to have my milestone birthday in Palm Springs. I was like, great, well, weekend. Cause then I want to book a show. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'll go to Palm Springs. Like nothing you say matters until there is an audience. Oh, that's um, funny. I had a, uh, I have a, my social media little by little is creeping up there and I, I'm really trying to work on that part of it. And I had a um, martini, it was an olive juice company, ask me, hey, can I get a couple pictures of you, you know, maybe with a martini or holding an olive or eating the olive? Because all my Teddy Tales, my live show on Instagram, Uh twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 5 p.m. PDT. That's Eastern, (laughs) no, that's West time, West Coast time. I do, I'll have a cocktail and I'll eat an olive and people like are like, oh my God, that sounds like olive ASMR. We love when you eat an olive, we can hear it. I'm like, are you insane? Like, okay, so I do it. This olive juice company was like, can you eat an olive? And then I said, well, I'm gonna be in Palm Springs. I would love to find some sort of Palm Springsy backdrop. I'll, I'll do it up. I'll wear like Palm Springs colors and I could do it that way. They were like here for it. So <laughs> this weekend I had to do some uh, PR for an olive juice company, have a friend's birthday and perform <laughs> twice at Oscars. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm, I, I love it. I love it. When they say, you want to go to Vegas? What weekend? Let me see. Can't go. Why? I'm not just going to go. <laughs> <laughs> do you do a lot of touring? I don't, I don't anymore because my, I, I have, I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to get a, a good agent and I, I, I did. I okay. finally did. Yeah. And um, the agent was like, cause I was doing cruise ships. Hmm. Okay. And they were fun, but 
they get you're out of town for a whole week and you, maybe you're only put, the money's great, mm -hmm. but you're out of town for a week and you perform twice. That's usually it? on a cruise. Yeah. Because they have now, now they have like three or four comics. So they yeah. just have them rotating. You, you one on one show you open and somebody else headlines on another show. They had, they open and you headline and then that's it. So, um, my agent was like, look, to, to perform twice, I know the money's good. You make the decision, not me, but I could probably, you could do more good not leaving town so mm -hmm. that you can audition and make a lot more than that. Yeah. So that that has come into play. And I can't tour if I'm heavily auditioning. Now there was a time when there was seasons, like you could audition you know, this time of year, this time of year, this time of year. And then in the pockets, hey, I know that I can tour here or go. Mm -hmm. But now it's not like that anymore. Now with streaming and and, and all these Peacock and, and, and Paramount Plus and everything, there's it's 20, it's, it's all the time. Stop. Yeah, it's, it's all the time. Like I, I, I could this, I went to visit my parents in Florida uh, to two or three weeks ago. And I called my agent a month before. Like, I was like, look, I'm giving you a whole month. And they're still like, oh God, but you're on a roll. And cause I just booked something major. I can't talk about it, but I will eventually. Okay. Um, they're like, you're on a roll, you're on a roll. And I thought, well, at what point am I not? I mean, I have, I have to also see my parents. Like I have to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I just have to. And so love my agents, but when I got back, they sent me a list of all the people that were like, can we bring Teddy in for this? Oh. But I mean, look. I mean, it's a good got, problem to have. It's a great problem to have. But I'm the type of person that's like, darn it, why did I even go see my mom? I could have Zoomed <laughs> her. Why didn't I just Zoom my mom? So, but it's back again and it's up again. It's starting it's starting again. Even today, we were supposed to go on at a time and that last minute yeah. I was like, of course. And then I get, cause I'm very, I am, I am, I don't know if you believe in astrology, but I am a, a Leo on the cusp of uh, Virg, uh, Virgo. Okay. And the, quali the qualities that are a Leo and the qualities that are a Virgo are me to a T, huh. to a T, you know? And it's just like, oh, so I get like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not booking anything. I am just going to be just ready to go should they call. Mm -hmm. But the old saying is, if you want to book something, book a trip out of town. <laughs> without <laughs> fail, that will happen. You yeah. will definitely book something if you've already made your flight arrangements. Like when you hit pay, the phone <laughs> will ring. Hey, you booked it. Oh my God, I'm not that I have now. So. But it's it's crazy to me that you you have all of these auditions because you are Teddy Margus and people want Teddy. So is it ever really going to dry up? Well, I'll, I want not to go back to Joan Rivers again, but she always felt that it would. I learned that from her too. She said, never take it for granted because it always will dry up. Like that's in your head. And that's how she worked. She worked as if it was going to be the last time she was going to work. Well, she was every a single, renowned workaholic. Yeah, every single yeah. time. But you know what? Here, I don't see it as work because I I, I love it so mm -hmm. much. I have wanted to do it as for as far back as I can remember. And yeah, I, I'm not going to complain about it. Like I'm going to just do it. And if if you need me there, I'm there. If I can't go to a birthday or a funeral or a wedding or whatever, I've missed I've missed a lot. I've missed a lot and I'll, there will be times when I'm like, oh, did I make the right decision? But I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm happy. Yes, I made the right decision because yeah. I'm happy. Isn't it about, isn't our life, we should live our life happy? Yes. Yeah. So to me, if you're happy, whatever it is, you made the right decision. Yeah. So yeah, because I miss, you know, nieces and nephews growing up. I miss, you know, I, I've, I've, I've missed funerals of loved ones I've missed I've missed I missed my brother's wedding hmm. I missed my brother's wedding I literally had uh, um, a callback if it was like an audition I would have gone to the wedding but it was a callback and I was like oh, it's on the wedding I, I was on the way to the callback with 
a cell phone in my pocket so I could hear the wedding. Oh. So, Did but I don't regret. It? I don't regret it. I don't yeah. regret it at all. Yeah. Well, I know we married talked- a bitch anyhow. Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I was going to say, did you either land the role or he got divorced and it all? No, (laughs) I didn't land the role and they're still together. So, hey, it all worked out well. (laughs) Uh, I know that we've spent a lot of time talking about Joan Rivers and I don't know why this uh, escaped my 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 attention. Uh, You've also performed with RuPaul, who is another icon (laughs) of, of culture. Uh, and I've heard amazing things about them too. I mean, yeah. what was, uh, have you, had you worked with them before? Yes. You Okay. Yes. I was, um, when I was in Philly, I was a DJ, not in a radio station, in nightclubs. Ah. And he, uh, RuPaul would come in and perform whatever single he was working on uh-huh. and uh, met him briefly uh, the TV show, Hey Queen, that I was producing and writing for a while, he appeared on that show. But this was my first time working on with him, like as peers, which was amazing. Yeah. Like, absolutely. One, I've, I've heard nightmare stories and was kind of, oh, is this going to be like that? It was a pleasure. It was so... I just felt at home. I thought we had a great scene together. Um, RuPaul literally de-drags in front of my character, wig off, lashes off, nails off, uh, bustier off, down to a corset, bald-headed. Well, and it was just like, just an amazing experience. I, I, I loved it and I couldn't have been happier to get that role because, because of the, the circles that I you know, travel in and because of my previous work with all the RuPaul drag queens on this show, Hey Queen, it just was like, oh God, it's perfect. Yeah. It's just a perfect role to get. And it was Michael Patrick King too, Mr. Sex in the City. I mean, he wrote mm-hmm. and he directed my episode. To say that you were directed by Michael Patrick King. Wow. That's 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 major. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 very, very happy with the path. And wait till you hear the new one. The new one is pretty major too. <laughs> okay. I'm teasing your audience. I know you I'm are. Sorry. <laughs> you are. And and I don't I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, frame this as I know that I've asked you about two really notable people that you've worked with. And this is a kind of a homegrown uh, podcast talking about you know with people, everyone from a newer open micer to you know people at your levels but at the end of the day you know we all end up with opportunities to work with people that we can learn from and that we can also realize that you know i had this conception of them or i'd heard this about them and i worked with them and they were great or you know maybe i worked with them and yeah those <laughs> those impressions you know that's that's a universal thing it's not just because i'm talking to the teddy margus it's you know it's just that these are household names that that uh we can talk about yeah so, I, I love i love that that's what's that's the beauty of life that's not even like comedy yeah. it's the beauty of life going through life meeting people Every, i believe everyone comes into your life to teach you something yeah maybe they're supposed to be there for a year Maybe they're supposed to be there for your life. You never know that, but learn from everybody. And that's what the, that's what we're here for, I feel. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're teasing us with one big thing that's gonna be coming out of how, do you, do you know how long we have to wait? Yes, it's gonna come out in 2022. Okay, All I right. can give you some hints. <laughs> um, he's the king of TV right now, this producer. He's done uh, shows like Maybe I don't know Glee, American Horror Story, oh, okay. and um, <laughs> and he is um, doing a series for Netflix about a very famous serial killer, and this very famous serial killer will be played. It's been announced will be played by another actor who's done a lot of American Horror Stories and most recently did Mayor of East Town. Okay. 
I've not watched that show, but I've heard amazing well, things. If you Google all those things, I'm yeah. sure it'll come up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's put on our detective hats. <laughs> come on, you detectives. You can do it, you Google sleuths. <laughs> uh, is there anything that uh, we haven't talked about that you want to have people know about you? Know, isn't that crazy? I've, we've, we've covered it all, darling. <laughs> uh, about to know about me that that's a that's a good one i i am constantly I, I like to constantly be moving working and learning um so i think i'm learning new things about myself all the time yeah so if i've learned it about myself i have said it about myself <laughs> so is there anything new i can't really think off the top of my head no but I'll let you know if I do. Okay. Well, uh, we you will get a chance to do an official promo uh, portion in, in just a moment. But I, as, as we, <laughs> yeah, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> uh, as we start winding down, so with this 2021 20, uh, summer vacation series, series that I'm talking to comics that were on our show from across the world, I'm asking them to tell us people from their comedy scenes that we should be paying attention to and what we should know about their comedy scenes, which is really funny when I've, you're my second person from LA that I've talked to. And it's really funny to say, what should we know about LA? <laughs> um, the LA comedy scene is, is huge. It's almost too big, but I, I what, what I love about the LA comedy scene is, um, I'm trying to put this delicately. <laughs> if you're a comic and you're afraid to come to LA, please do not be afraid to do it because you should absolutely do it. Think about it this way. The bulk of the comics, or the bulk of the, the, the people that think that they could be comics, um, don't spend the time to hone their skills locally. So if you've honed your skill and uh, hey, uh, uh, your comedy scene is, is pretty fantastic. Yeah. A lot of comics, because I ran a show in West Hollywood for eight years mm -hmm. and a lot of comics out of your scene came in and blew us away. Yeah. So if you've, if you've done your homework and you have, you know, I don't want to say seasoned, but you, you know when it's time to leave your little pond. Yeah. New LA, because there's a lot of people who come out here and try to hone their chops in LA. So if there's a, let's just say there's not a hundred, but if there's a hundred comics in LA and that's intimidating, know that 40 of them are, are good. The others aren't there yet. Not saying that they're not going to be good, yeah. but they're not there yet. But they just thought, a lot of people think oh, comedy is so easy. You just get up there and talk. Yes, but you have to make it, you know, you've thought it out, you've done all this, and you're supposed to make it seem like you're up there at talk. So if you think all I'm doing is talking, I've done my job yeah. very well. Right. So the, the, the scene is so varied from every ethnicity, every sexual orientation, you name it, we have it. You will find your niche out here. Yeah. And just come out ready to go, guns are blaring, and be, be yourself. Because LA loves an original person. They love it. Love. Great. I'm trying to know who the other comic from LA was. Uh, it's Daniel Eaches. So oh, a little bit younger. Um, and he was, you know, he was also a transplant, but from Northern California. Right. right. So yeah. It, and I'll I'll share with you because this episode actually just, just came out. Obviously, when this goes out, it's been a few weeks, but uh, his observation was the LA scene is so big, but there's some really cool things happening outside of LA. So go out there. True. So that was that was that was really smart because there is a lot of things. And the funny thing is, is when you could travel, you know, twenty minutes outside of LA, and it feels like you're in a different country. Yeah. It's it's insane. It's insane. Like, you know, I, I, I got so used to LA that when I did San Diego or Palm Springs or, or even Long Beach, not that far, you go like, oh, yay, this is comedy. But 
once again, if you if you can make it <laughs> there, you'll make it anywhere. <laughs> Did you start off this podcast telling me you didn't have a good singing voice? What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I have a good fake Broadway voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can fake a Broadway audition. I auditioned for Annie. I didn't get it. I Because I guess they thought they wanted me to be Daddy Warbucks, but I wanted to be Annie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's time to it's time to change it up a little bit. We need That's we right. need a different Annie. We need a gender non-binary Annie. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Everything deserves a fresh look. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Percy, and I didn't write down the last name, but are there any other comics that we should be paying attention to? I love these are the comics that I um I love and I look at and I think they're so fantastic. Out of LA is uh, Percy Rustamji, uh, Matt Marr, M-A-T-T-M-A-R-R. He's he is he is so funny. Out of New York is a comic called Oscar Iden, A-Y-D-I-N. Um, I love him. I think he's great. He's up and coming. Gus Constantelis, he's out of New York. He just went viral this pandemic on TikTok with his, his mother. He's Greek um, and his he's Greek American, but his mother is from Greece. And he literally just took videos of her and she's speaking in Greek and he subtitled it and it's hysterical. <gasps> And it's just simple things like she's cooking, but her philosophies are so like not American that his reaction to them and how he handles them are hysterical. Oh. He, I think he's fantastic too. So there's, there's a lot out there that comedy is getting really, really, really good. The yes. comics are, they're doing really well. And we need it, like, especially after what we've been through, uh, it's, comedy comes in waves. It's always like this, crazy wave of New York comics is like amazing, LA comics. And it's it's been that way for years, but now there's other pockets of, of this wave that are pretty big too. And, you know, the actual audience, I feel, I don't know if this has ever been studied or talked about, the audience comes in waves too. Sometimes we need, I think we need the comedy now more than ever and the audience is receptive to it. They want it. They want to laugh. They want to forget. They want to get away, escape. Um, there was a period of time where everybody just thought, oh, "I've seen better. I've seen mm -hmm. this." People are now just just want to laugh. And if you can if you can get them there, you got them. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we maintain a, a, an events page for Austin and. We, we were maintaining it for about six months before the pandemic. And it is night and day before and after the number mm -hmm. of shows that are available and the choices for audiences, but the audiences are filling up yeah. all of these shows. They, yep. they are desperate. They really do want to be entertained. They need a laugh. <laughs> they need, and, and I noticed, cause I, I, uh, my first, um, was it Thursday? Thursday was my first live audience ah. um, since March 10th, 2020. And I had done, you know, a lot of virtual shows, mm -hmm. the comedy stores and the improv, they, you were performing inside, but you were being broadcast via satellite on the patio. Right. So you could kind of hear the laughter. <laughs> Uh, there was at the, the the world famous comedy store on Sunset on the Strip. There, there is the the stage, and then the audience, and there's a window behind the comic. They yeah. flipped it, so the comic was looking out the window uh -huh. on patio. But there's the glass there, so there's you 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 hear like oh, so uh -huh. but in front of a live audience. And then what I noticed was I couldn't wait to see how the audience had changed. And um, a lot of my comedy throughout the pandemic was um, maybe seeing a comment and commenting on it. So there was a little bit banter that you had with the audience. So I thought, wow, that's, that's gonna be awkward because I, for a whole year, even on my live, I'm talking to whoever says something and I'm like, you know, Anna, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but 
they're vocal. <laughs> they got vocal in the pandemic. <laughs> you know, and you know, at, at when you back in the day, you would say, "Are they heckling?" But they weren't heckling. They literally were expressing their feelings uh, out loud. Yeah. A lot of, oh my God, yes, exactly. I get it. That's exactly how I feel. And you're like, well, I'm glad you feel that way, ma'am. <laughs> you know? Or like, oh no, that didn't happen. It did. You know, like it just, it was, it was really interesting to see that. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, welcome back to the live stages. And uh... I hope it stays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that uh, that is a wrap, sadly, on Comedy Wham wow. presents Teddy Margus. Tell us where we can find you. I know you're super super busy on on your uh, my YouTube. social media. Yeah. Oh my! You can find Teddy Margus anywhere at Teddy Margus. That's Facebook Teddy Margus, Snapchat Teddy Margus, <laughs> Instagram at Teddy Margus. I now started a TikTok with my uh, little comedy partner Johnny McGovern, and that's at Johnny N, the letter Teddy, Johnny N Teddy. That's um, another fun thing we just started doing and seeing like how TikTok works. That's uh -huh. really fun. I avoided it like the plague, but then when I realized it and truly did the research and got into it, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. It's like 30 second sketches. Yeah, it's let's well just, suited for you. Yeah. Uh, let's just do it. <laughs> Let's uh, just do it. So yeah, everywhere, just just at Teddy Margus. I usually, um, every Tuesday and Thursday, like I said, I do mm -hmm. Teddy Tales, which is just little stories from my big gay life. Um, Teddy Tales is on Instagram every Tuesday, every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. And um, I, I always say what's happening. Like, if you need to know, I'll put it out there or we'll talk about it on, on one of the Teddy Tales. Yeah. But that's it. Awesome. And stay tuned. You've been in movies, so go watch the movies that are out watch, there. Watch everything. <laughs> yeah, watch everything. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Teddy got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as oh. much as I have. This has been Comedy Wearing Presents Teddy Marcus. Margus, my God. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you. I had a blast. Yes, me too.